Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hi, guys. I am Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, as always. As you know by now, this is your go-to for hot liberty. It's a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please follow my Instagram account for news about me and this show, at Monica Crowley underscore, at Monica Crowley underscore, and my Twitter account, at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show to Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. I'm getting so many of your emails, it's getting hard to keep up, which is fantastic. At the end of each show, we try to read some of them. So get ready. Yours could be next. Keep them coming. So um, we've got a lot to get to on the program today. And I, I just want to start with this. Yesterday, President Biden was speaking at an outdoor event in Iowa, and a bird flew overhead and pooped on him. I am not kidding. This is not a joke. Go look at the video. I tweeted it out. A bird pooped on Biden. We are all that bird, aren't we? Today, I want to deal with a couple of major aspects of the Democrats' deliberate takedown of our country. I want to talk about the wide-open southern border and the flood of illegals coming in. That is meant to dilute our country and destroy our national sovereignty. It's completely out of control. We're covering it on this show. It's going to get worse. Today, we're going to talk to the former chief of Border Patrol and former acting director of ICE, Ron Vitello, about it. He is phenomenal. He is passionate about what is going on on the southern border and how now we are all being affected and how it's about to get a lot worse because of the administration's lifting of Title 42. So he's going to be here. I also want to talk about the state of the economy and the sky-high inflation that we are all experiencing Um, And I also want to share a big lesson about the last time we saw inflation this bad. Nobody is prepared for what's coming. 
People have no sense of history. They have very little understanding about economics anyway. But I want to tell you what's coming. The White House, the Fed, Capitol Hill, the propaganda press, no one is telling you the truth about it or, or what's coming down the pike, but I will. Plus your emails, that's all straight ahead. First up, though, the Monica Memo. As I'm sure that you have seen the, the reports over the last day, um, there was a mass shooting in a Brooklyn, New York subway station and on the Brooklyn, in a Brooklyn subway car. Uh, we had a suspect named Frank R. James who shot up this New York City subway station and he wounded over two dozen people. So this was a mass shooting, and not only did he have guns, but he had all kinds of other weapons. Uh, The police and the FBI found undetonated devices at the station in Brooklyn. Um, So this was a serious attack. It was premeditated. It was obviously planned. Uh, The guy did it shortly before 8.30 in the morning, so rush hour in the most populous borough of the nation's largest city. So again, this is a suspect. He allegedly did this, but whoever, whoever carried out this attack uh, clearly planned it for maximum impact. But then we're getting more and more details coming out, and it turns out that this suspect, Frank R. James, uh, was previously known to the FBI. The FBI had him on a terrorist watch list, a domestic terror watch list, and they had been monitoring him. They also entered his name into the Guardian lead system in New Mexico. But then he was cleared after multiple interviews in 2019. So they let him go. They interviewed him. They assessed his risk to the public, and then they cleared him and they let him go. The attack was initially considered an act of terrorism. I don't know if you guys were following some of the coverage yesterday early on. People began talking about it as an act of terrorism. But then federal law enforcement came on the scene. Yep, the FBI came on the scene and they said that the attack could not be classified as terrorism until a motivation had been established You know, you hear about this all the time, particularly with regard to Islamic terror. Well, we can't assign a motive to it when it's clearly Islamic terror um, until we decide what the motivation is. And you you see an obvious terror attack, and it's a big head-scratcher, right? Gosh, golly, I wonder what the motive is. Most of these suspects who engage in this kind of terror activity tell you They have a manifesto, they're on social media, they've written books, they've written articles, they've written posts. They will tell you, they're on YouTube like this guy, ranting and raving. They will tell you who they are, what they believe, and what they intend to do. So for law enforcement and the media, which we're going to get to in a second, they wander around like like a blind person in the dark, like, oh, we're wondering, gee, it's a giant mystery what the motivation could be, they always tell you. They always tell you. So a couple of points about this, and this is obviously a massive crime and a huge tragedy for everybody who's been wounded and affected by this, and our our prayers go out to everybody. And the genuine law enforcement agents who are on this case who 
really want to crack it and bring uh, justice to bear here. So we're all, we're thinking of everybody involved in this. But there are a couple of really big points that that we need to expose uh, because this is where we are in the country right now and it needs to be fixed and solved fast. First of all, nobody, just like so many other cases, nobody wanted to identify the suspect as a black male. The guy is on the run. He is at large. No one knows where he is. He is armed and dangerous. And yet no one wants to identify him by his race because, God forbid, someone says you're racist. Finally, they got around to it and said, yes, this is a black male, about 5'5", about 180 pounds. So they, they actually, in the end, but this was hours after this rampage, then they decided, well, we better put out some key identifying details because the guy's at large. Number two, New York City got tens of millions of dollars in federal funding. New York State got tens of millions. New York got a big, big chunk of this. They got money for COVID from the federal government. That's you and me, federal taxpayers. But it wasn't just geared for COVID. They also got money earmarked for crime and for the New York City subways, the MTA system in New York. They got a ton of money, millions of dollars. And yet... The surveillance cameras in this uh, subway station were not working at all. Not working. Disabled. Where in Sam Hill did all of that money go? Well, if it's anything like Black Lives Matter, people are probably living large on that money, living their best lives on your tax dollars, which were meant to go for baseline things like surveillance cameras in a subway station. Again, because we are in the middle of a Democrat-Communist ideological jihad, they are all at the 30,000-foot level trying to fundamentally transform the nation into a Marxist nightmare. But what they're neglecting is the street level, or subway level in this case, basic necessities to keep people safe, which is the bare minimum of what we expect from our government. Correct? Right. So the street-level stuff that affects you and me, not interested. They're not paying attention. But the ideological jihad to transform America into the Soviet Union, that's right on track. Third, once the FBI arrives, the cover-up begins. This man was on their radar, recently on their radar, as a potential domestic terrorist, with like a real domestic terrorist, okay? Not you and me, the thought criminals that they're monitoring. No, this guy was an actual domestic terrorist with radical violent views. He was known to them. He was on their terrorist watch list, and they let him go. We see this all the time, all the time. Some of the 9-11 hijackers were known, and they let them skate. And there are others. Our law enforcement is now shot through with so much corruption that they're more afraid of being branded racist for accurately describing the race of a violent, at-large suspect than they are concerned about protecting you. 
That's where we are today. And the propaganda media is exactly the same. They refuse to talk about the motive in the Waukesha mass murder at the Christmas parade. Remember that, where the guy drove through the crowd and killed a bunch of people? And the same thing is happening now with the Brooklyn subway shooting. It's a little harder to do in this case because it's New York City and the propaganda press are New York and D.C. centric. This directly affects them because they get on the subway. This is their hometown. So they'll cover it a bit more. Unlike the, what happened in Wisconsin, because, well, that only affected the rubes in Wisconsin, not the sophisticates in New York City. So they have to, and they, they probably want to cover this a little bit more, but not by much. Now that they know that the suspect is a black militant, I mean, he's all over YouTube ranting about race and homelessness and Eric Adams. He doesn't fit their narrative. So they've already begun to memory hole it a bit. And again, they'll stay on it for a little while, maybe another 24 hours, and then gone. I guarantee it. Also, not only does the corporate propaganda press play the we may never know the real motive game when the suspect doesn't fit their narrative, their propaganda shock troops go out there and aggressively police any efforts to analyze it from our side, right? They're constantly screaming, stop speculating. They're constantly warning us, we can't be 100% sure of that, they say. And all of that is a way to silence you, even though it's so obvious what's going on. And by the way, they never have a problem speculating that, you know, any suspect might be a far-right nut or worse, a Trump supporter. Then it's open season on speculation. No problem there. This brings me to a final point about all of this. Maybe the most important point of all. The FBI now is so corrupt that it's spending its time entrapping innocent Americans in bogus kidnapping plots like the hoax of a kidnapping plot of Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, which we just saw a jury uh, uh, put out not, not guilty of verdicts on those suspects because they said that they were entrapped by the FBI. The FBI is busy hatching these kinds of bogus plots to entrap us and railroading patriotic Americans like those involved in January 6th, holding many of them without charges and due process, completely illegal, completely un-American, but they're doing it. So the FBI is so busy committing their own crimes that they don't have the time or resources to stop or investigate real crimes against you. We have our own secret police now, did you know? We've got our own Stasi called the FBI. We have to change this because it is completely unsustainable unless you prefer to live in a police state. I don't. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the raging inflation that is coming down on our heads. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. 
We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Coming up, we are going to talk to Ron Vitello, who is the former chief of Border Patrol and the former acting director of ICE, who's going to talk to us about what's happening at the border right now, today, and how it's about to get a lot worse. We've got a running theme on this program, which is that as long as the Democrats are in control, unified control in Washington, We are seeing the deliberate takedown of the United States of America. They are doing it in record speed, and they're doing it across the board with every policy, whether it's the wide open border, whether it's what's going on abroad, allowing China to run wild, uh, Iran to get a nuclear weapon, or here at home with the economy. And I want to turn our attention to the economy right now uh, before we get to the border, because you are seeing the deliberate takedown of the U.S. economy. None of this is by accident. All of this is being done on purpose. Biden inflation is actually the real virus. Yesterday, we got the March Consumer Price Index number, or CPI. Year over year, consumer prices are running 8.5%. That is the biggest spike in over 40 years. The last time inflation was this hot was in 1981, the first year of Ronald Reagan's presidency. That's how far you've got to go back to see these kinds of inflation numbers. And if you use the same CPI criteria that was used in the 1970s and 80s when it was a lot more accurate, well, then the current inflation rate right now is 19.5%, the highest ever, ever. It beats the 14% inflation that we saw under Jimmy Carter, And it also beats the 15.6% that we saw at least part of the time under Barack Obama. Today, we got another number, the PPI, which is the producer price index. What's that? 
that is wholesale prices. So for producers, what it costs them to buy their basic goods that they that they then turn into product for you. The PPI today, it, for the month of March, 11.2%, which is also the highest on record. They started keeping these inflation numbers in the year 2010. So not a, not a long record keeping, but it's still the highest on record. 11.2% um, increase in wholesale prices. So let's... Let's talk about the Carter years because that's the last time that we saw this. Inflation was so rampant, it was so astronomical, and it was paired with little to no economic growth. That's called stagflation. A stagnant economy and high inflation is stagflation, where the economy just sits there, it doesn't grow. And it borders on recession if it doesn't send you into recession. I actually think a recession is probably likely. Brace yourself for that. Very few people are telling you a recession could be around the corner in the next year, maybe sooner. But we've got all the dynamics coming into play. So what happened 40 years ago? Well, Ronald Reagan was elected in 1980. He saw the stagnation in the country and he said, we can't go on like this. This is not American superpower. This is not the world's engine of economic growth. The U.S. economy is dying. So Reagan got together with his Fed chair, Paul Volcker, who he nominated, and Volcker comes in. Reagan said to him, do what you need to do. Do whatever you need to do. Let's fix this problem because we cannot go on like this. We need to restore the vitality, the dynamism of the U.S. economy. So Volker, turned, Volker said to him, all right, this is going to be painful. And Reagan said, do it, rip the Band-Aid off, which is what a real leader does. This is what a real leader says. So Volker turned around with the Fed and they hiked interest rates. Um, the higher interest rates mean that it tightens the money supply, makes it more expensive to go and get money and do things, but it mops up all of the extra money that's floating around. I saw another point, um, two uh, economists wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago, which was really interesting, talking not just about interest rates as a tool to mop up all of this extra money sloshing around the system, creating inflation, but also that the Fed needs to monitor the rate of growth of the money supply. You don't want it too much or otherwise inflation never goes anywhere, but you also don't want it too low because then it'll crash the economy and definitely send you into recession. So I'm not sure the Fed is watching any of this. I mean, they're well over a year late in terms of inflation. They've got two mandates, one of which is monitor inflation. This has been going on for a year. I have been on Fox Business and elsewhere screaming. Other people have as well for well over a year saying, this inflation looks far more persistent than what they're telling us. Remember, Biden, Harris, Jay Powell at the Fed, Janet Yellen at Treasury, they're all, they've all been telling us for months, don't worry about inflation, it's transitory. It's just linked to the reopening of the economy, but don't worry about it. It's going to go away in a couple of months. We were all going, uh, not so fast, this looks a lot more intense and persistent than what they were telling us. It was all, it was a lie. I don't even know if they ever really believed it. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. 
But Reagan and Volcker come in and they ratchet up interest rates to, I think, as high as 18% at one point. Country was in recession. Reagan had to, to just push through the recession, 1981, 82, early 83, I think, before the Reagan boom came. But you got to fix the problem before you can have the boom. Trump gave us a booming economy, booming economy through tax hikes, regulatory relief, fairer trade deals, unleashing our energy sector. We had a thriving economy. Biden comes in, and I know COVID was a big part of it, but Trump and the Republicans got us through the most acute period of the crisis. So when we started to reopen, guess what? President Trump handed President Biden the fastest economic recovery from any crisis on record. All Biden had to do was stand there and keep going, but he wouldn't do it. And he got the Democrats to pass nearly $2 trillion in additional spending that the economy did not need and that we could not afford, but they went ahead anyway. They called it the American Rescue Plan, and it went forward in March of 21. And do you know, from the exact moment that Biden signed that into law, that's when you started to see inflation. We had pumped a lot of money down into the system during the crisis because we had to. We shut down the U.S. economy. They did not have to spend, and they did it anyway. Do you know that last year, the federal government spent about $6.5 trillion, again, that we don't have? So no wonder we have inflation. Duh, of course. And the Fed keeps printing money like crazy. Only now are they starting to pull back a bit and starting to raise interest rates. Really late in the game here, really late. But all of us are suffering. And the Biden team's answer to all of this, electric cars and windmills. Oh, and go have a margarita. Their cavalier attitude about all of this is for two reasons. One, they're doing all of this on purpose. This is a deliberate destruction of the U.S. economy, as I tweeted yesterday, and the free market system that drives it. And two, they truly do not care about us. Communists never care about the proletariat, the working class, never. Oh, they profess to. That's what the Marxist revolution is all about, they say. Taking care of the workers, workers of the world unite. All BS, all lies, all just a cover story for what they actually do. They could not care less about you. Now, this is an ideological jihad. This is a Marxist revolution. And you know people who suffer the most with inflation? The middle class, the working class, and the poor. Because they are least likely to be able to withstand rising prices. And while wages are going up nominally, real wages are going up, they're not going up at the rate that inflation is going up. So you're actually seeing, in real terms, a pay cut. For example, if your wages went up 3%, that's nice. Congrats, you got a raise. But inflation is running at 8.5%, which means you just got a pay cut of over 5%. You see how that works? Inflation is a regressive tax, and it hits those at the lower end of the income ladder more than anybody else. In fact, inflation actually helps the wealthy. They benefit 
Think about it this way. Home prices last year appreciated by about 20%. So if you own an expensive home, your net worth went up far more than your daily expenses did. This is what is going on in this economy. It is corrosive, it is destructive, and it is hurting the middle class, working class, and the poor the most. Isn't it ironic that those are the folks that the Democrats claim to champion and protect most of all? Bull. Bull. All right, when we come back, we're going to switch gears again and talk about the other deliberate destruction of the country happening on the southern border. We're going to be joined by Ron Vitello, former chief of Border Patrol. He is coming up next. Well, as we all know, and we have been discussing on this podcast for for quite a while now, uh, the border is completely out of control. This is an historic catastrophe. And of course, it's all by design. So I wanted to bring on a top expert to join us today to talk about what is going on on the border and how it's about to get a hell of a lot worse. I am happy to welcome Ron Vitello. Ron is the uh, former chief of Border Patrol, And he's also the retired acting ICE director. So there's no one better to turn to on this issue than Ron. Ron, welcome. And thank you so much for being here. Well, it's great to be with you, Monica. And thanks for putting some light on on this subject. As I I try to help um, inform people about what my previous colleagues are going through on the southwest border And I really appreciate this opportunity. Well, I'm delighted to have you here. And I've seen you on Fox News and and followed you. And you just, you're such an important voice on this issue. And the American people are infuriated by what is happening. It's all intentional, which makes it even worse. Um, So I really want to dig into what's going on and where we're going on this. First off, can you please put... uh, What's happening now at the border and what has been happening over the past year plus under Joe Biden, can you put that into context for us? Have you ever seen anything like this before? It's incredible how bad they have been, how bad this administration has been as it relates to the border. Not only the conditions, which are bad enough, but the rhetoric around whose fault it is, how bad it is, the refusal to call it a crisis. Um, they're, they're just terrible. Uh, they assign the vice president some kind of SAR duty. Um, she barely goes to the border. She doesn't get anywhere close to where the problem as it is, is the most acute. Um, and, and so they've, they've done a terrible job in, you know, the operational conditions and the conditions at our border. But they've also done a terrible job of trying to explain to the American people how derelict they've been or just even describing the conditions about what it means historically. And I can just tell you, I was in the Border Patrol for 33 years. Uh, I worked as a line agent. I, I made my way through the entire organization. And we have never seen the crisis and the kind of flow uh, that we're seeing across the Southwest border in the history of that border. Now, there were times in the 90s and the 2000s where we approached 2 million arrests and encounters. But I will tell you that through most of my career, all the way up uh, until probably around 2010 or so, most of the traffic on our southwest border were people from Mexico. Uh, and now that we're not seeing anything like that, since about 2012, we've seen 
the demographics, if you will, the number of people, the ages and where they're from changed dramatically. And right now we're seeing the worst surge in the history of the border. People from 150 countries all over the world, many of them come to the border and have never been encountered or won't be encountered by the Border Patrol because the Border Patrol is distracted by caring for between six and 8,000 arrests that happen every single 24 hours. And think about that. Those facilities were not built for this kind of flow, um, despite the augmentation that has occurred, despite all of the efforts uh, that Border Patrol agents and the men and women of DHS, including ICE, have put forward. Um, they are in an impossible situation, all caused by the dereliction of this uh, administration and them reversing policies that worked in the previous administration. So that we've never seen anything like this. Um, and it's it's going to get worse. Uh, and it's been bad since January of last year. And again, they've talked about it. They've tried to minimize it. They refuse to call it a crisis. They talk about how they're addressing the problem. They inherited things from the previous administration that were broken. It's all nonsense. Every chance that they have gotten to make a policy statement about immigration enforcement or border security, they step back from the rule of law. It's, right. it's ridiculous what yes. they've done. Yes, because it's all intentional. This is about overwhelming the border, therefore to overwhelm the systems, therefore to implode the country. That's what all of this is about. You might not be able to say it, Ron, but I certainly can. So everybody knows exactly what is going on here. You know, most effective leaders, uh, when they see a problem or they see a policy failing, they course correct. This president and his team do not do that. That tells you everything you need to know about their objectives here. Ron, if you could walk us through some of the numbers because they are just astounding. Talk to us about apprehensions per month, uh, the total number of illegals since Joe Biden became president that have crossed the border. I'm, I'm hearing over 2 million. Um, but also talk to us about the, get the gotaways, I guess the people who have no interaction with Border Patrol or ICE and they just melt away into the country. Yeah, it's, it's incredible that we, we've ended the last fiscal year where in the, in the government, the fiscal year starts October 1st. So in October, we ended the previous fiscal year with 1.7 million encounters by CDP. That's an enormous number. We have not been in that territory for decades. Uh, and again, back in those decades, you know, 20 some years ago, when we had numbers like that on the border semi-regularly, um, those were large, those 95% or more people that were from Mexico. And logistically, when people get apprehended from Mexico and they're not a threat to public safety, they're not all criminals in some other way, um, they're, they're, they can be returned quickly. And you can imagine in places like Arizona and Texas, when you encounter somebody that's from, the, from Mexico, it's easy to get them back across the border in their home country. Uh, that's not what we're seeing now. That 1.7 is probably close to 70% people that are not from Mexico. Um, and so the logistics and what happens um, and what has happened since January 20th, 21, uh, is many people after they're encountered by CDP uh, are, are released into the country. If you bring or send your child, um, in some cases, single adults are being let go because this, this, this administration has defunded and asked for fewer beds than ISIS had in decades in their inventory. So when CDP encounters even single adults, who have paid a smuggler and made their way to the border and come across the border and either make an asylum claim or not, many of them are released 
with, with a notice to report. Uh, some are released on what they call alternatives to detention, which is a disaster as it relates to removing people who are in the country illegally. Uh, and those who do report or those who do get notices to appear in immigration court, many of them, over 90 percent of them will never show up in immigration proceedings. Right. Because that's just the history of it. That's 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 what we know. That's why detention works. And that's why alternatives don't work. Uh, but again, this administration has doubled down on this nonsense by telling people, oh, yeah, we're putting everybody in proceedings. Everybody's going to get removed. It doesn't happen that way. It takes decades for some of these people to actually get in front of the judge. And those are only the ones that follow up on it. Most yeah. most yeah. won't follow up on their due process opportunity. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. I mean, and it's not exactly shocking. They're coming into the country. They're essentially <laughs> breaking into the country. So they've committed a crime to get here. And then you expect them to follow the rule of law once they're here. It's absurd. We're talking to Ron Vitello. He is the former chief of Border Patrol. He's also the retired acting ICE director. Um, Ron, you know, you talk about folks from over 150 countries coming in across the border now that it's wide open. One of the underreported aspects of this is the number of people coming into the country who are on the terror watch list. So we've got potential terrorists coming into the country. We have no idea where they are, correct? That's a good point. So in the mix of people who are coming, you know, air quotes, to get a better life, uh, there are also people who are wanted in their own countries for criminal activity, uh, some of which have convictions or are wanted in this country for criminal activity and 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 serious things. Not not just the the thousands and thousands that you know got arrested and convicted for driving while under the influence, but but pedophiles, murderers, drug traffickers, uh, you name it. That that's part of what comes across that border. And when you have this kind of chaos. Um, those people get to secrete themselves into the larger flow, and many of them won't even be encountered by border authorities. You mentioned a while back about the gotaways. There are days where places like Yuma, Arizona, Del Rio, Texas, Eagle Pass, where I used to work in Laredo, there are days when those stations along the southwest border cannot field agents to patrol the border. What does that mean? That means everybody that's in the workforce, instead of being out on patrol, seizing drugs, finding smugglers, uh, you know, pursuing criminals, they're at the station providing care and comfort for the thousands and thousands of people that they see every 24 hours, uh, and then booking them in, putting them in, the, in what we call processing. Uh, and that takes up all of the available staffing and agents uh, that, that are assigned in places like Yuma and Del Rio. And just imagine, you know, Del Rio's got nearly 300 miles of border. The sector has nearly 300 miles of border that they're responsible for. And in 24 hours, no one goes to the line. No one goes to the river's edge to find out what's going on. The smugglers in this case are having a field day. They essentially control the traffic coming up to the southwest border um, as it is. But now, you know, they're gaming this system to import their poison. Uh, it's not a coincidence that over 100,000 people were lost to opioid overdose last year in the United States. Uh, fentanyl is now produced in large quantities in Mexico with precursor chemicals coming from China. Uh, and now with the border out of control in, in, the, in the chaos that it's in, um, it's just, it, it, it advantages them. They're making money off of the, the yes. smuggling of the aliens that are coming to the border. Um, and they can really smuggle the poison at will, given the conditions that, you know, Border Patrol is basically working with both hands tied behind their backs. They're, they're not able to do what we want them to do. They're not able to do what they signed up to do, which is protect us.
Yeah, and their morale really must suck because they're not getting any support whatsoever from Washington. So this brings us, Ron, to the Biden administration's decision to end Title 42 at the end of next month. Title 42 allowed the immediate deportation of illegals based on the public health emergency of the pandemic. That was a very effective policy which helped to stop the inflow of illegals. The Biden crew is now going to lift this. This is going to be absolutely catastrophic. Talk to us about the numbers that the Border Patrol and ICE are expecting to come in uh, once Title 42 is lifted. So if last year in the fiscal year we did one point, the CDP did 1.7 million encounters. And, and, and again, there's lots of people that didn't get encountered. So that's, that's well over 2 million people entered the country illegally last year, some of which were never arrested. Um, and so if, if hundreds of thousands of those were expelled under that public health authority of Title 42, which is an HHS authority that was uh, delegated to DHS, allowed Border Patrol agents, when they encountered people at the line, to quickly expel them back into Mexico, regardless of their condition, regardless of where they were from, uh, allowing the Border Patrol to, to not have them in custody. And then because of the threat of the pandemic, right, because of the contagion, they allowed they, they, they expelled them back into Mexico, allowing them to at least put a small break on the largest surge we've seen at the southwest border in decades. Um, And so this administration basically ran on the idea that they were going to fix the border. One of the things that they were very dismissive of during the campaign was this Title 42 authority. Um, Don't ask me why. I can't imagine what the ideology is here that that wants an open border. Um, Having done what I did for for three decades, I I don't understand it. I can't wrap my mind around it. But that's where we are. Uh, And then not only are they going to rescind Title 42 authority, they've already made the decision, but they're not going to do it until May. And if anybody understands what goes on in the border with, with regard to organized smuggling and how people decide to come into the country illegally, um, think about it. Somebody in the third world sells every possession that they have to pay a smuggler to get in the pipeline. That takes days and weeks to make that decision, to do the logistics there. And then it takes a couple of weeks to get to the border. They just gave everybody a head start against the Border Patrol. Right. They're saying after May 23rd, now it's time to come. And again, every chance they've gotten to tell people that the rule of law is important, that we want border security in this country, they, they've stepped back from it. They've stepped back from the rule of law. They've hamstrung ICE in the interior. Uh, and now the Border Patrol is overwhelmed. They can't do the job that they're assigned to do. It, it, it's, it's incredible how it's, bad they are. It, it is just, it's all incredible. And again, it's all intentional. Final question for you, Ron. I mean, obviously, Border Patrol agents and others down there are bracing for a surge on top of the current surge. How do you see this ending? Because this is not sustainable. It isn't sustainable. And my heart goes out to my former colleagues in ICE and and the Border Patrol agents that I used to work with. Um, We had more, the Border Patrol had more retirements last year than they've had in the history of the organization. It's almost 100 years old. Um, Yeah, so morale is terrible. Um, You know, they're doing the best they can. They've they've been put in an impossible situation uh, and they try to succeed despite this administration not having their back. Um, And, and, you know, I, I ask your listeners to say a prayer for them. Um, there is no fix here unless Congress engages, uh, because we obviously this administration is not going to lift a finger to help the Border Patrol or improve border security. Uh, so until things change on the Hill uh, or, God forbid, a catastrophe happens because of this uncontrolled border, 
I don't think anything's going to happen. They're, they're just going to have to keep bailing out the boat that's leaking and starting to, to go below the waterline um, until Congress steps up uh, and forces this administration to do what it's refused to do since last year. Yeah. Yeah, well, the change has got to come starting in November with a flipping of the House and hopefully the Senate as well. And uh, we'll do what we can. Is there a website, Ron, you want to point all of our listeners to? Yeah, if they can go to GOP.gov, or I'm sorry, GOP.com, GOP.com slash unchecked. Uh, the GOP did a really credible kind of mini documentary that describes you know some of the politics, but also the operational concerns that we're seeing at our Southwest border. I I commend people to look at it. Well, very good. And yes, we're all thinking about supporting and praying for everybody in Border Patrol and ICE. I mean, these folks give up their whole lives to defend our border and our national sovereignty, and they deserve all of our support. Ron Vitello, the former chief uh, of Border Patrol and retired ICE director, you have been fantastic. Thank you, and God bless you. Great to be with you. Thanks a lot. You bet. I'm Monica Crowley, back in a flash. Well, before we get to your emails, and I'm sure you're going to send me emails on this subject at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com, but the Biden administration, the CDC, I mean, this, this whole COVID thing has been corrupt from the beginning on their part. They announced today that they are extending the nationwide mask mandate for public transportation. So airports, airplanes, trains, buses, you will have to wear your mask for an additional two weeks. Well, they say that they monitor an uptick in cases. First of all, I've seen some of the data. I'm not entirely sure that there actually is an uptake in cases. That's number one. Number two, why are people still at this late date testing if you're not symptomatic? If you feel fine, why are you taking a test? Ah, to drive up cases. That's what the government wants done, right? Um, And the other part of this is cases are not deaths, and they're not hospitalizations. They're cases. So what what are we doing here? Meanwhile, the, the CEOs of the top eight airlines in the country, Delta, Southwest, American, they sent a letter to President Biden a couple of weeks ago saying, you got to lift this mandate. It's killing us. Our flight attendants and our pilots, they don't want to be enforcers. People are losing it on airplanes because they can't breathe. Airplanes are incredibly safe environments to breathe in because they circulate the air. The whole thing makes no sense. In Europe, they lifted their mask mandate for public transportation. But here, nope, got to have total control, power and control over the people. And to see, like, push them, push them, push them. They're pushing us to see how far they can go and how much we'll put up with. And if you're on an airplane, I mean, you got to, otherwise they're going to be screaming at you and there are people who who do it and, you know, God bless. But another two weeks through May 3rd of this year, and they'll probably extend it again, watch, you got to wear your mask on public transport. Unbelievable. There is going to be such a reckoning in November, again, assuming these races are clean, but there's going to be a huge, huge reckoning. All right, let's go right to the emails. And remember, you can send me a note at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Here is David. He writes, hey, Monica, 
a quick question on maybe one of your podcasts, you can explain it. But do you think President Trump is letting all this stuff happen so that people can see the corruption come to the forefront? Just a thought. Love the show. And you're a baby doll. Oh, well, thank you, David. I will take all compliments in every direction. Thank you. Um, Look, Trump is out of office, so he has no control over what is going on right now. Um, And I saw him this week. He is in great spirits and really at the top of his game. So I have no doubt he is coming back. Um, But I will say that God works sometimes in not so mysterious ways. And sometimes he allows things to hit the bottom of the barrel so that people can really see, you know, you, you get to your worst point, whether it's individually, as a family, a community, a country, so that you see how bad things are and how they, bad they could be. And so you course correct. And I think maybe that's what's going on. I mean, this has gotten really bad really fast and is going to get worse. I'm sorry, I hate to be a, a Debbie Downer there, but it is going to be worse before it gets better. Um, And in that case, I think it's waking a lot of people up on education, on the economy, on foreign policy, on the southern border, as we just talked about with Ron. People now are waking up. Their eyes are open. And that is the only silver lining I can see in all of this. So thank you, David. Let's see. Carter in Virginia writes, Monica, I'm enjoying the podcast with you and your great guests. Thank you, Carter. Then he writes, rhinos are needed in swing states and districts. They will give us more uh, than a Democrat in those seats. Uh, And then he goes on to talk about, you know, justification for rhinos if you're in a tough area. And then he talks about Alaska with Lisa Murkowski and what a disgrace she is. And he writes, I hope Alaskans find a good conservative candidate this year and elect that person. Thank you, and keep up the good work. Well, Carter, I appreciate that note very much. Thank you. Murkowski actually does have a legitimate conservative primary challenge, which is why it's very interesting that she decided to vote for Judge uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, because Republicans in Alaska are not having it from her anymore. So won't it be interesting to see what happens to her? I want all of them crushed. Crushed. Not just beaten, destroyed. Final email for the show today. Paul writes, longtime fan. I'm really enjoying your podcast, Monica. Love your perspective and your verve. Well, Paul, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. And again, I'll take all compliments. I'm not shy about that (laughs) at all. Uh, All right. Keep the emails coming. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. I will see you back here on Friday. Have a great rest of your week.